Do you find yourself dreaming of owning your own baking business? Then you're in the right place. Hey, I'm Lauren, the host here at the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. I'll be your guide through this fun world where sugar, entrepreneurship, and passion all collide. So grab your cup of coffee or your glass of wine and sit back and hear stories of wonderful entrepreneurs in the baking industry. Hello, everybody. Tell me, Meredith, how did you get started in the world of cookies? Oh, my gosh. It was not a straight and narrow path. It was all over the place. I mean, in high school, I actually started decorating cakes. You know, I come from an artistic and musical family, so it wasn't really a hard sell for me to start dabbling in baking and decorating cakes and stuff like that. But I certainly didn't think I would make a business out of it. I mean, I was headed to school for pre-med at first and I baking wasn't even like in my sights at that point. So it wasn't until college that I really started to just consume a ton of YouTube videos on decorated cookies. I think that's what all cookiers did, you know, back then when we were getting started and just consuming a ton of YouTube videos. And then I started just thinking, well, let me just try it out, try my hand at it and start doing cookies for friends. I remember my first cookie I ever created was a seahorse in my kitchen in 2014. And it was a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Most of them are. (laughs) It was absolutely awful. So, you know, you know, like most cookiers, you don't really start to get a good feel for it until you get a feel for your icing consistency. And that's really when it started taking off. You know what? Meredith, let me just tell you this real quick, talking about being a disaster. So when my kids were little, you know, I was trying to be super mom. I was the room mom. I did all the parties and I was going to take the cute cookies. I was going to take the cute cookies. So my husband, and I knew nothing about cookie decorating. Zero. I didn't even really know. I mean, I sort of knew what royal icing was, but I thought the only way that you could ice a cookie was to pour a little bit on your cookie and then ice it with, uh, and then spread it out with a knife. So my husband and I would do that. I remember we made these whale cookies one time and I think we had maybe two, three dozen cookies. And I'm not kidding you. They took hours because we would take a spoon and we would pour a little bit on there and then we would spread it out with a toothpick. Spread it out. We had no, and then we poured sprinkles all over it. And we're like, these are awesome. <laughs> and looking back at those now. Oh, so we all have those stories. I don't think I have a picture. But, you know, our son Joshua was probably in third grade at the time. And he loved them. So that was all that mattered. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of get hooked. Even if it's not perfect. In the beginning, I mean, I certainly didn't think this was going to turn into a legitimate business, right? I just right. really liked it. It was fun. I mean, I was good at baking. So I made some cookies and decorated it and it just kind of goes from there. But it is kind of funny. I definitely had a weird expectation that I was going to go from watching all these YouTube videos. to, oh, yeah, I can do this. No big deal. And then pipe it on there. And I'm like, this is awful. But then again, I was also trying to outline with the flood consistency. So when, yes, you, when you know better, you do better at that point. <laughs> so tell me, you said you come from a musical and an artistic family. I love that. Tell me about that. 
I do. So it goes back a ways. My grandfather was an artist and an architect. My mom is an interior designer. And then we're all musicians of some way, shape, or form. I was in the choir and I played cello. So I actually took cello all the way into college. I had a scholarship for college and I played piano a little bit. I did. Yeah. Yeah. We took our youngest son to look at a college near Nashville a couple weeks ago. So we went to Nashville because he had never been and, you know, he loves music and we're all artsy and musical too. And there was, there was someone there that played a bass, which is a bass Mm -hmm. similar to a cello. It is. It's it. Believe it or not, it's actually closer to a violin than it is a cello. But it's well, it the largest big. and lowest. Yeah, it's the largest. It was and lowest huge. Instrument. Yeah, he would hold it. He was holding this thing behind his head. I mean, he was. You know, he was trying to have a show as as well as be a musician. But maybe you should try that, Meredith, on one of your Instagram videos. <laughs> I know it's so crazy. And I still, you know, I still get questions like, do you play the cello still? And I I don't have a ton of time to play cello. I I probably could. I mean, it's hanging up in the wall of my living room. So I could probably take it down and play it. When you've played it for as long as I have, some of those things don't really go away that quickly. So you could pick it up pretty fast, but I certainly am not as good as I used to be for sure. (laughs) I haven't practiced in a while. That is uh, the greatest thing about this podcast. I find out the coolest things about people. I love that is so interesting because as many times as I talk to you in person, you never once said, you know, Lauren, I'm really good at the cello. <laughs> so, and that's so interesting. I mean, so anyway. I, yeah, really, to be honest, I did it for my mom. My mom wanted me to play the Bach cello suite. And that was one of her favorite songs. And she said, you know, if you're going to do an instrument in school, I want you to play the cello and play Bach cello suite. And I actually auditioned on the Bach cello suite and got my scholarship on it. So it felt very full circle. But I think once I kind of got through college, I was like, oh, don't have a ton of time for it. But who knows? I may end up picking it back up and I don't know, doing some stuff. I I don't have any plans yet to put it on my Instagram, but I might. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your degree in? Because I know you do something with dentistry now. I do. Yeah. So my degree is a bachelor's of science in biology. So I went to school for pre-med, which turned into pre-dental. And then I took a hard left turn into the (laughs) dental business side of things. So that's where I ended up in dental software. So I work in dental software full time. I own a software company and do that. So cookies is still very much my side hustle, but also side passion. It keeps me pretty sane, given that the two industries are very different, for sure. (laughs) Well, one, one reason I wanted to talk to you, Meredith, besides, I think you have the most fantastic personality. You're so sweet. You're one of, you are, you're one of those people that the minute after I talked to you for three minutes, I thought, man, she's my kind of person. You're just nice. <laughs> but you are You're also such an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, when you told me that you owned your own business and I thought, oh, I need to have you on here talking about entrepreneurship because as cookie decorators, bakers, we're all entrepreneurs. And that's the yeah. hardest part of the business, right? It is. Yeah, it really is. And the crazy part about it is so much of what I've learned for cookie businesses and what I share with cookiers comes from other industries. 
Right. It just comes from other businesses that I've been in because so much of it translates so well. So I've been really fortunate to kind of be in the nitty gritty part of it, learning for other really demanding reasons on the side and then be able to say like, how can I convert this into something really fun and educational and fulfilling uh, on the cookier side? So yeah, it's, so it's you been first, a blast. So you first made this cookie that you said you didn't love. Did you say it was seahorse? <laughs> The seahorse. It was. And then, yeah. <laughs> then did you take classes or how did you improve your skills? Oh gosh. I think I still took just basically used YouTube videos. I mean, Instagram wasn't really around back then for a learning or educational platform. So YouTube was really, I think I had just like this never ending playlist of Sweet Ams and Hanyellas and Georgian Bell and the flower box. And I was just watching them decorate cookies over and over again. And Me then too. I, I started taking Same. classes from Julia Usher. She was the one that really taught me how to narrow down my icing consistency. Me and too, I Meredith. More of it. I love it. She's me she's too. Incredible. I watched her videos on YouTube. Her icing consistency, her icing consistency video, and it's still out there. So if you're listening, go and watch it. I would watch it, and I would make the icing, and I would rewind it, and. This thing was so I couldn't figure out how to do it, and then finally it clicked. But her videos are fantastic, and she's so calm she and methodical, and a very good teacher. I love her, and honestly, like you just got to get in it and do it right because right. every everyone learns at a different pace, a different speed, and you just got to get in there and find it. And even like the recipes, you know, I've gone through so many cookie recipes and so many icing recipes, and tweaking them here and there. You just kind of have to find what works for you. And that's one of the great things about this community is that we all can teach each other skills and we can learn off of each other, but ultimately you got to find what works for you and build off of that. So yeah. I mean, it was years before I decided to turn it into a business. I was basically just making cookies for friends like most people do. Right. Yes. (laughs) So I use primarily the recipe that I use is Lila Loa 2.0. And it's Mm -hmm. so interesting because it's, a perfect recipe for me. It works great yeah. in the the area that I live, the humidity. It's perfect every time. I have my own recipes that I developed for the Food Network Christmas Cookie Challenge, mm-hmm. but they're yeah. more in depth. So <laughs> for basic cookies, I always use Lila Loa, but it's so interesting because on all these cookie groups, sometimes people use that recipe and it doesn't work for them. Because there's so many differences in humidity and kitchen and oven temperatures. So what you said is perfect. You've got to really search until you find that perfect recipe for you. Because not yeah. there's no perfect recipe for every single cookie decorator. Well, and I think you need to educate yourself. Baking is so much chemistry. If we right. know what the meringue powder is doing, and we know what it does if we add in corn syrup or if we use cream of tartar. I can't tell you the last time I used cream of tartar in my royal icing. I used to use it like it was the Bible and now it's right. don't use it anymore. You know, so it's, I, I'm the same way. I have a rest. I used Hanyellas for years and uh-huh. then I ended up switching. And now I use the Franken frosting, which is yes. like a sweet icing. 
Yes. That works really well for me. You know, I love the fact that it doesn't take a ton of meringue powder. That's a, a real winner for me. I tried that and I thought it was so cool, but it, it just didn't work for me. The consistency. Again, I'm in Kentucky and we have, I mean, there's so much water in the air all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. So, so did you ever sell cookies? I did. Yeah. And I still do actually. So my original business is life celebrated with cookies. I opened it in 2017 after doing all that practice and finding out which recipes I liked, but I opened it up as a legitimate business. And I, it's so funny because when I had this guy on Etsy make my logo, he was like, Hey, I have three different colors of your logo that you can have if you'd like. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. What if I end up having like a different, you know, like subsidiary of my business at some point and I want to do something, I can use the different logo colors. So it was kind of foreshadowing in a way that I would take Life Celebrated with Cookies and I would shorten it to LCW Cookie Cutters. And that's- I didn't know what LC, I was going to ask you, I didn't know what LCW stood for. I love Life Celebrated with Cookies. Yep. That's my original business. So I don't- do obviously I'm kind of splitting time between a lot of different businesses. So I'm not actively promoting cookie decorating just like on a regular basis. I do have people who come in, you know, I'm doing a big order this week. I have people who come in and find me in random ways and say, Hey, can you do cookies? And I'm like, absolutely. If it fits my schedule, Uh I can, but you know, it's just kind of funny how that has evolved because I still am a cookier. I'm still very much in it. And I try to let that influence what I provide on my Instagram, but then also like how I, you know, develop cookie cutters. It's just like you, you know, we still got to dabble in it, you know, and make sure that yes. we're you know, still within it. So yeah. So tell it's, me it's how you got fun. into the cookie cutter biz. Oh my gosh. You know, I, it's so funny because I have always wanted to own some sort of retail store. Like I knew I was going to own a business of of yeah. some kind. I just didn't know like what industry I was going to go in. And I think when I was in school, I thought I'm, I have two parts of my brain that I use all the time. Let me use the analytical part to, you know, make a decent business. I, it may not be what I absolutely love, but let me just do that. And what was so funny is I got so embedded in the analytical part of my career that I craved creativity. I Mm -hmm. needed a reprieve on the side. And that's what cookies offered me. You know, my parents had a retail store when I was really young. They opened a store when I was six. So I remember being at the cash register, writing tickets, going to the Dallas market when I was really young. All of that was so much fun. And I just kept thinking, okay, I own a business, but I really want to have a shop. Right. The retail aspect was really super appealing to me. Uh, Well, maybe I'll start selling cutters. But I had the same fear that I think everyone else has, which is like, oh, there are so many cutter shops on the market already that are so awesome. Right. They're just like so much better than me. And they're so much more successful. What on earth do I think I'm doing trying to get into this realm? But I think I just kind of said, you know, my, my designs are unique. I can feel confident that they're unique. And I knew I wanted to create designs that were doable. Like I didn't want right. to make designs that the average cookier couldn't actually accomplish on yes. a cookie. If, I, if right. I can't draw it on my iPad, I'm not going to expect you to make something out of royal icing with it. That's just right. not going to happen. Um, 
And like the very last part of it is, you know what? I can make my cutters really tough. Like I cut, my dough is typically ice cold when I cut it and uh-huh. had a couple cutters break. So I think going into it, I was like, I want these suckers to be tough. If they can't stand up, they they don't belong in our industry because we put them through a lot of work. Yes. So and there's cool. nothing worse when you have a cookie cutter and you have a lot of cookies to make and you put it in the dough the 12th time and it splits and you're like, well, what am I yeah. going to do now? I don't have a cookie cutter. So, I know. <laughs> so it's, how did you buy it? Did you say I'm going to buy a 3D printer and just learn or did you learn? Do you do it on Fusion 360 or how do you model your yeah. cookie cutters? This podcast is brought to you by The Cheerful Box. The Cheerful Box is a monthly cookie decorating subscription that brings joy and creativity right to your doorstep. Inside, you'll find a unique collection of cookie cutters, a stencil, clip art, and a step-by-step tutorial on how to decorate all of the cookies that you can make with the cookie cutters in the box. It's the perfect way to indulge in your passion for baking and take your skills to new heights. So after you listen to the episode, be sure and check out the Cheerful Box. Don't miss out on this opportunity to receive a monthly dose of baking magic delivered right to your doorstep. So visit our website and check it out today. Now let's get back to our podcast. I do. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge learning curve, right? You got to learn how to use CAD CAM. And it's, it's so funny though, because if you use Fusion 360 for cookie cutters, you use like one tenth of the entire software. I stay within my zone. I don't really right. go outside Me of my too. typical things in the software. So there are some crazy things that people, I, I think when I say I learned CAD CAM, people think that I can make like these 3D models and stuff. Right. Not anywhere close. I'm not yeah. that good at CAD CAM. Me too. Um, I can make but, a cookie cutter. I can make I, a cookie I know. cutter. That's pretty I know. much and it. it. And there was one video on YouTube. I don't even think it was a cookie or I think it was just some guy that was like teaching you how to make a cutter on uh-huh. CAD cam on Fusion 360. So I took that and then I just started to develop a particular style of my cutter and it just kind of went from there. But yeah, I bought the first 3D printer I had, which is an Ender 3 Pro. And I think that's like the average because it's so affordable. You can get into it. Right. But I think, you know, the biggest thing with the Creality printers is that they are kind of piecemealed. Like when something falls apart, you got to figure out what's wrong and what's causing the problem and you have to buy replacement parts. And now you've become like an engineer of sorts. So it's been kind of crazy what I've learned in the process, but super, super enjoyable at the same time. What printers do you run off of? So our first one was an Ender 5. And then we we have all Creality or Creality, however you say it, 6 SE, but I am not like, you don't want me putting anything together or fixing anything because I don't read directions, Meredith. I look at it and I think, let's just wing this. And you know, that's not the greatest thing when it comes to 3d printers. Now my Mm -hmm. husband is awesome at that. He loves, I mean, we make a great team because that's what he does when he's not working. He fiddles with the printers. And sometimes I'm like, let's buy some printers that you don't have to fiddle with. And he likes the fiddly. He's like you. 
So <laughs> I had to ask him this morning. I said, "This uh, we need more filament in this printer, Stacy." And I thought to my, and he doesn't mind doing that. He's okay, no problem. I think I really should learn how to do that. I just don't have the desire. So. <laughs> I love it. I do have like my printers that are like sometimes in timeout because I'm working off of several printers now. And if I don't have the time to troubleshoot it, I'll just put like a post it and say, this one's out of commission for right now. I'll get it to it when I can get to it. And I had the most hilarious conversation with Jessica at Cut It Out Cutters. She, she said that she named her printers based upon (laughs) Disney characters and that she would have certain printers that would go on the fritz. So she said like Tarzan would not work for like forever. And finally they had to drape a black cloth over Tarzan and he was out for the count. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's probably the funniest thing I've ever heard. I need to name my printers now. I just need to figure out Thank if I want to go with like friends or the office, what I need to do. Cause it's hysterical. Let's do it. Let's name our printers <laughs> Meredith. Cause that would make it a lot more funny. Hey, Stacy, Barney over here needs some filament. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. Tarzan was definitely in the doghouse for sure. You gotta (laughs) laugh. So I was going to ask you what sets your cutters apart from others, but it sounds like the quality, the ability to cut things that are frozen dough. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, and I think I might've said this on the last podcast, but I just think it's so funny. Someone ordered from me from Etsy and because I also have an Etsy shop and she complained that the uh, cutter took too long to print. And it probably did because it was one of the very first ones that I made. But she said it, it it was good quality, but we're not cutting concrete. And I thought, what do you mean? Frozen thick dough is sort of like concrete. You need a really. So I thought that was funny. I thought, you know, I need it on a shirt. You know how people take those bad reviews and they put them on a shirt? That might be what I do. I'm not cutting concrete. <laughs> it's hysterical. It's taking like the bad reviews and like sarcastically turning them into a good re- review. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's so funny how that works. And it's, I mean, if you're a true cookier and you're working on these things on a regular basis, they got to hold up. They um, do. You know, I started making mine taller and that's just because I, gosh, I don't even remember when I made the shift, but I made the shift from, well, I, I guess over two, three eighth inch cookies. Like I uh-huh. haven't done a thinner cookie in a really long time. And I kept thinking, gosh, if I don't have taller cookie cutters, I'm never going to be able to cut these suckers. You know, they're just right. so thick. So it has to be strong. Like it can't be super thin. And to your point, it takes longer to print, takes more material to do that. But, you know, we laugh, you know, it it kind of takes some effort to get them off the print bed. Right. And I always laugh at like, if you can't pop those suckers off the print bed, they're not strong enough to last cookie dough. They're, they're right. They've got to yeah, be and, hard and tough. And <laughs> most cookiers take their cookie cutters and they throw them in a bin or in a basket. You know. I mean, nobody's taking real good care of them. So they need to be very strong. Now, what color are you on now? Because I love that, how you put an Instagram. I'm thinking about changing my color. You all have any suggestions? <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's so funny. Like I was going to see if I have some samples next to me. Oh, I think I do. So I've gone all over the place. You know, I think it's probably like true marketing as you stay within your branding color. And I'm really, (laughs) why can't we have some fun with that? So, and there's so many different colors on the market now. It's, I don't know that anyone really recognizes me by my color anymore because there's just so many floating around there. 
So I'm still sticking to, I have a periwinkle purple blue that I use for regular cutters. Uh All of my fall cutters that are coming out right now are coming out in my special edition terracotta. So super pretty, really color, really pretty color. But yeah, other than that, I'm, I am exploring, I have a plastic company that reached out to me. They're a local uh, filament company and they're working with me on getting more of a custom color for Christmas. I just don't know yet what that's going to be, but yeah, I'm always, I always like changing it up. I wanted, we, we got some glow in the dark filament from a company just to play around with. And I asked my husband, I said, let's make the Halloween cutters out of that. And he said, I don't think it's food safe. And I'm like, oh, because wouldn't that be fun to have a glow in the dark Halloween cookie cutter? So I know it's so crazy. I think the, the craziest I've gotten is I have a metallic gold. I did. I actually did that for a few cutters at CookieCon. I stuck three gold stars into my swag bag for CookieCon, but I've done like red sparkle. Other than that, it's pretty much all mad colors because you are still kind of stuck within like that food safe PLA, you know, not everything is really, and it it does kind of make you wonder, like I've seen the color changing ones too. And I was like, well, that's really cool. But then I'm like, is that super safe? What's in there (laughs) making it change colors, you know? So it does kind of make you stay in your lane a bit. That can be your next business, Meredith. You need to come out with some really cool food safe filament. Right. I think you have time to do that and along with all of your other things. <laughs> I know, right? I need I definitely need to come up with that for sure. Maybe I can get with my plastic people here locally and see if we can come up with a a special recipe for it. <laughs> That'd be fun. So I was gonna ask you also, I mean I think you are truly a content creator. There's a lot of cookiers out there who put cookie videos, but you create these really wonderful videos and show your face a lot, which more people need to do, learn how to do. So how did you learn how to do that? Was that hard for you? Does that come naturally for you? Give us some tips, Meredith, give us some Instagram tips. Cause you're really good at it. I honestly, it takes a lot of kind of, <laughs> losing your inhibitions of showing your face on Instagram. I think a lot of us get very comfortable with being at home, like in our private space, working Uh as a small business owner. And we don't really like to show our face as much. At first, it was kind of challenging. If you go way, way back to 2020, when I first started posting, I was so awkward. I didn't know what I was doing. My reels were awful. They just, (laughs) they really weren't. The funny thing about it is they were really weren't talking to cookiers, which was my audience. So I had a bit of a learning curve just in terms of how to talk to my audience, let alone like how to show up on camera. So, you know, my biggest tip is just kind of start slow and then build your confidence from there. Because I'm sure, you know, Lauren, because you're always on Instagram as well. You're probably on Instagram more than I am, frankly, (laughs) showing your beautiful face. And it takes, you kind of have to like get to the point where it's just, it's what you do. You get on Instagram, right. you share your face because your brand is your face and people buy right. from people. So yes. that's really kind of what it comes down to. How many, I mean, I don't know about you, but there are so many times that I have looked at someone's Instagram profile at their page and I want to know what they look like. I think it just, when you know what the creator looks like, it just gives you a connection and I'll scroll and scroll and <laughs> 
No, I have no idea who they are. And those are typically the accounts that I don't follow, even if they have gorgeous content, because I want to feel like I have some kind of connection with the creator. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot like if you go on Google and you Google search a restaurant and the restaurant has zero pictures of what's inside and the outside of the restaurant isn't very appealing, you're probably not going to go in it. Unless you're a super adventurous person and you don't really care much (laughs) about exploring things, you're probably not going to go in there. And the same concept applies to people and a brand. You know, even if you're trying to cater to customers locally in your area that want to buy cookies from you, they need to know the person they're buying the cookies from, not just the product and and what actually comes out of it. So it's definitely a challenge. I think we get really comfortable in the content of our art and less so in the content of ourselves, but our art is ourselves. So in a way, you know, it fits very well that you would start to show yourself on your Instagram. And it's so funny. There was like this ongoing joke at CookieCon that we would meet people and unless they had their face on their, you know, Instagram profile picture, or they had their face on their profile, I was not going to be able to know who they, they were. It wasn't until they told me their Instagram handle that I was like, Oh, I know you. Yeah. (laughs) I need to see your face. So I I totally relate to that. One thing we were talking about a minute ago, you said whenever you first started selling cookie cutters that you thought, what am I doing? There's all these big companies out there. And that's exactly how I felt. But I I tell myself, and I'm sure you do the same thing, people buy from people. So everybody has an audience um, that is going to support them because they feel like they have a connection. So I think that everyone out there who is a cookie decorator, if you want to expand your reach and your audience and your customer base, start sharing a little bit about yourself because those people want to buy from you. If you're a stay-at-home mom and you have little kids running around, then show that sometimes because there'll be somebody out there who needs cookies for their event and they're in the same space you are and they think, man, that's hard work. I'm going to support that person. But if all you're showing is your beautiful cookies, you're not going to have the same connection. I I totally agree. And I hear it from so many cookiers that one of the main reasons they don't show their face is they're ashamed in front of their friends and family, like their friends and family that aren't actually buying from their business. They kind of get that, oh, she's trying to get on Instagram and be like an influencer and grow her business. And there's (laughs) apparently a lot of that kind of condescension. And my solution is simple. If they're not buying your cookies, they don't belong on your Instagram. So take them off or, you know, limit the amount of content that they get access to. Because if that's prohibiting you from sharing yourself and your passion as you are on Instagram, then get rid of the conflict. And then you can feel a little bit more free about sharing who you are in your business because your audience are the people that want your cookies and want yes. you to know what you can provide, not necessarily all of your family. Unfortunately, I do have family that follows that is me. Great. It, great it took advice. a while to kind of get used to that field. Ooh, you know, it's like family kind of says, Oh, I saw what you posted on Saturday and it's, you're not my <laughs> ideal customer. 
<laughs> yeah, or have a personal account and share right. personal stuff with your family through that personal account. And then exactly. if they say, I've been trying to follow you and you're not, you're like, I didn't, I'm so sorry, but I just didn't see that. <laughs> and you change the you change the subject, and then you take them some beautiful cookies, they forget all about it. <laughs> you do. And I know that sounds so harsh, but I mean I hear that all the time. And if that's the case, then you need your own space. You need your space yes. for you and your customers to connect because that's really the easiest way to do that. Yes. So when in your journey of your cookie business, is there was there one hurdle that you can think of that you really overcame? Did you have any major hurdles? I mean, besides self-doubt, which I think a lot of us deal with self-doubt on a regular basis and time management is a huge one, which to be honest, anyone who's doing cookies on the side or has like a side hustle or is juggling more than one business, you know, usually you're doing it for for one of two reasons. You either are doing it because it helps you pay the bills or you're doing it because you really love it. And you will be successful with neither unless you can really start to manage your time and find a balance. And that's like, I'm a broken record on my Instagram because I talk about, you know, not overbooking yourself, making sure not to take super last minute orders, putting yourself in a position that's really going to take time away from what, you know, matters the most to you. So, and I think that really just comes with time. You have to earn your voice and you have to start speaking for yourself to have confidence in your policies, saying no, even when it feels uncomfortable and living within those confines of your capacity. So you can still enjoy it there. I can't tell you how many Instagram accounts I've seen in the last year where they're like, after a very hard decision, I've decided to shut down my cookie shop. And so Mm -hmm. much of it comes from burnout or a change in our lifestyles or wherever we need to kind of shift our focus. And I think a lot of us push ourselves in that direction and intentionally because we're not able to balance that time appropriately. Do you, that was so well said. You are so right. <laughs> and <laughs> cookies are fun, Meredith. And so it is something that you can tend to just get lost in and forget everything yeah. else. And so for me, the way that I manage my time is one day a week, I make cookie dough and I make a bunch of cookie dough. I mean, I'll usually make either four times the recipe or eight times the recipe and I'll put it in the freezer. And then when, when do you do that? I do. Yeah. Planning ahead is crucial. Absolutely. Yes. And then one day a week I'll bake the cookies. The next day I do the icing. The next day I decorate the cookies. So I'm never spending I don't want to say never, but it's very rare that I'm spending my entire day. I never make the cookie dough, cut out the cookies because stressful and you can't, you can't get anything else added into your life. So once I do that, once I make the cookie dough, I'm done for the day. I can enjoy the rest of my life. And if someone asks me to make cookies for them and I do not have cookie dough already made, I'm not going to do it. And it's quick. I'm not going to do it because it's going to keep me from enjoying my family. Someone said to me one time, and this is so true. Remember, when you say yes to someone's order, you are saying no to something special in your own life. And that has never left me because that is so true. It's absolutely true. A yes is always a no in some other 
form or fashion. So I love that yes. so much because it really does put it into perspective. I think we do lose sight that we love cooking. So we have to take on the business aspect and be an entrepreneur and do all the hard things. But then we let that, you know, help us lose track of why we started to begin with. And then the whole right. time, our family and friends and everyone that's important around us are just fluttering around us while we're trying to figure out what's going on and managing everything. And we just lose sight of what's really important. So I think it's good to just have a really good sound reality of what you're capable of doing and staying within that scope. We yes. are not competing against one another. There's no right. rat race. This is all an adventure. We're all learning things. We're, we're all learning the same things, just at like different times. So this isn't to be the best of the best. And I even figured this out at CookieCon. There was no competition at CookieCon to be the best of the best. If you were a 10-year veteran or a starter at one year, like everyone was on the same playing field. And I think that's the beautiful thing about this industry is it truly allows us to be within the scope of our own capacities. And yes. we get to choose as business owners where we take that. When we turn yes. the lever up, when we turn it down, what that looks like. So just there's no pressure in being anything other than who you are and what you're capable of doing in this time in your um, life right now. Sometimes too, I mean, there'll be an occasion that someone will call and they'll say, I can't, I cannot make cookies. I, I just can't find someone to make my cookies. It's my child's first birthday. And can you make the cookies? And here's what I always think. Okay. How much am I going to get paid? And can I use that money to hire someone to clean my house? Because yeah. that's what's not going to get done. And that's the thing that I hate. <laughs> hey, if that works out, right. then I'm going to do it. Because I would rather make the cookies and spend that money on somebody cleaning my house and say, no, I'm not going to do that order. But again, I don't ever do it. And if it's a quick order, unless I have cookie dough made, because it's just too stressful. I don't want to do all that. I've learned my lesson on living with stress. I'm, you know, above 55 and I want to be chill and enjoy my life. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally agree. I, if there's anything that working in the dental industry in the U.S. has taught me is that it's a cutthroat industry and it will make you really value all other things besides money and career. It really kind of puts it into perspective for you because it's it's so hard to work in that industry. So yes. I think one of the things about cooking is it feels so like lax and chill and, you know, we can kind of go at our own flow that we kind of get wrapped up in, oh, well, it's one more order. Let me just take one more order. Let me, it's not going to, you know, be harmful or anything. And I think if it fits you and it feels good into your gut, you're like, yeah, I could do this order. It's not going to be a big deal. I love the fact that you base it on whether or not you have dough, because now it's kind of like <laughs> the universe is telling me that it's okay to take this order kind of thing. Cause I already have right. some dough ready to go, but it's when it becomes like a habit all the time. Yes. I said, I'd stop doing it, but let me just add one more on, you know, and it's yes. when in, to your point, a, a yes is a no elsewhere. It's kind of like, you're telling yourself you're not valuable enough to say, I reached my capacity this week. I deserve to be okay with what I've accomplished and not push myself beyond that bounds. Cause it does right. snowball pretty quickly and it's hard to kind of it get does. out of that answer wheel when you get started. It does. So what are your future goals for your cookie cutter business and your cookie decorating business? Do you have any big plans in the future? You have any secrets you want to tell us about? 
<laughs> well, I'm going to be coaching and teaching a lot more classes. I have applied in a couple of areas to teach classes, but I do have a coaching course that I'm writing uh, within my business that I'll be posting soon, hopefully before the end of the year. That's kind of my goal. You know how it is with writing classes. It's, you start with one idea and then it like becomes this big thing and you're like, okay, I got to rein it back in. I have yes. to post this thing at some point. It can't just go on forever. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. And honestly, I'm going to be offering SDLs in my cookie cutter shop, which is something I haven't really done in the past. But I think with uh-huh. as many cookiers getting their own printers, they need more affordable options for getting cutters yeah. fast, you know, and to be yes. able to print them. So it just takes time because it takes a really long time to upload all those STLs into my shop. And it's going to, I'm going to have to do it a little bit at a time. <laughs> I'm so proud of you that you're doing the coaching thing because that fits perfectly within your personality because that's what you pretty much are doing when you're on Instagram, encouraging and coaching. So that's really great. It's really super rewarding. Honestly, I did not expect how fulfilling it would be to coach and teach. I think you almost have to get to a point where is this even worth teaching? Is there anybody who doesn't have the skill or wants to know anything about this. You kind of have to get out of your own head and then just realize that everyone is at different parts of their career. And I've done a lot of work in dentistry, a lot of work that I honestly is, it's been a lot of years of working and grunging in the dental industry. And I'm like, I should be able to make something with this. Like it's right. not to grow my own career. I want to share this with other people in the cookie or industry, because honestly, like I like the cookie or industry more. I really people do. I enjoy it more. <laughs> it, it is really more of that like family unit. So it just right. feels so natural to want to teach that. And I've learned so much from other cookiers like you, where I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's like, we have so much to teach each other. So I encourage anyone who wants to do a cookie decorating class or teach a specific skill that can translate to cooking, please do. Like we can all use a little bit more education and learn from each other. I think it's one of the reasons why our community is so strong. Yes. Okay. You ready for the speed round? I'm going to ask you some speed round questions. You don't know about these. Okay. Do you have a favorite cookbook? Favorite cookbook? Mm -hmm. Probably one of the Magnolia ones. Oh, or the Lost Kitchen book. I have several. I have several. I kind of go back. I love, I don't, I have a hard time answering that question. I answer it different every, every day because there's nothing better to me than sitting down and just thumbing through a cookbook the pictures and I imagine what it's going to taste like. I know. I absolutely love it. And do you have a favorite vacation that you've ever been on? I'm in the mood to Um, go on a vacation, so I need some good places. (laughs) We did take the Pacific Coast Highway road trip down from, basically we flew into San Francisco, drove up to the Redwoods and took the PCH1 all the way down to San Diego It was like an eight day trip and it was phenomenal. It took me about three months to plan. So if you want all of my highlights and tidbits, I can share them with you. But it was, it was fantastic. I'm really, you know, I'm really tall. I don't like being in the car. That was my favorite road trip because you basically all day long, you would drive like two hours, stop here, hang out, drive an hour, stop here, hang out. It was wonderful. It was that sounds incredible. (laughs) And then lastly, if you could make cookies for anybody living or I never know how to say that word, living or gone before us, 
who would you make cookies for? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is so hard. That's such a tough question. I would probably say my grandfather because he was really the artist that started all of this in our family and he died before I started doing cookies. So I kind of feel like, you know, he died when I was young. So I feel, you know, this would be one of those things where I could show him like, look what I decided to do. It's not clay. It's not architecture. It's not any, you know, crazy drawing. It's cookies. It's amazing. That's so, so fun. Yeah. That's the first grandfather answer I've received. I've gotten lots of grandmothers because they love to bake. So I love that. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and talking to me. I mean, you really are inspirational. So if you're listening and you don't follow Meredith, run right now. And Meredith, <laughs> tell everyone where they can find you. And of course, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, my main presence is on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at LCW Cookie Cutters. That's my Instagram handle. And then, of course, my shop where you can find free cookie resources as well is lcwcookiecutters.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today, Meredith. Thank and I so hope to see you again soon. Absolutely. I miss you already. We're looking for I know, I miss you too. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe to the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. That way, all your friends will be able to find it too. A new episode will be released every Thursday. Until then, remember to keep dreaming big and never underestimate the power of a little sugar and a lot of passion. I'm Lauren, the Cheerful Baker, and your host here at the Sugar Coated Dreams Podcast.